Welcome back to the United Pubcast and Tom, we're back at the pub because after a massive win like that, there was no way we could do this online. Manchester United pulling out the goods, I didn't think it was possible. You didn't think it was possible? Did you listen to me on the last podcast? Who was saying this result was written in the stars? Well, look, th- th- that is for something that you would say because, look, you can't blame me or any other United fan for that matter thinking that we were toast for this game because Manchester City, what, what was it, 20 games running? What? It wasn't even 20 games like, unbeaten. It was 20 winning, winning games. Yeah, in all competitions, like that's a phenomenal record. And United have been very patchy. Nine out of 11 games, we haven't won. So, you know, you're looking at the form guide, you're thinking it's well done, but are they going to Solskjaer? We, we said it, was it the, pod- the last podcast with Andy Midden, in fact? He was saying the best Solskjaer performance was against Manchester City uh, back in 2019. It's funny, and you could debate whether this game is, in fact, now overtaken that one. They're very different performances, but both sort of quite similar in terms of the impact. They feel sort of almost that sign of progression. You could see that huge result last year where it was sort of just as big as a performance, but really on the counter-attack, sort of park the bus, park the bus, then hit them with sort of exciting attack and counter football. And this one, okay, we didn't dominate the game, but it was quite a, I wouldn't say comfortable game, but it was almost a standard 2-0 win. You never felt like United were really threatened. Um, Once they got the lead, particularly at 2-0, you never felt we were going to lose that match. Um, Before we do rip into the podcast, I I do want to say a massive thank you to the feedback that we've received with the Andy Midden podcast. Um, It was a pleasure having Andy on. Gave us some wonderful insights, different perspective around fans and football and journalism and the challenges that he's faced in his role. Um, Tom, any final thoughts on Andy Midden before we rip into this podcast? No, just to thank well, thank you to Andy Mitten, but also thank you all to all the listeners because I remember we said it last week when we started the podcast, if we were sort of dreaming of ever having a guest on, Andy Mitten was almost top of our list. But to think over two years, the guest we have on, like Andy Mitten, has been was fantastic. But we've had Premier League winners, we've had treble winners, we've had journalists, we've had former players. But it's unbelievable some of the people we've had on the podcast. So a thank you to all those guests, but especially also the listeners. Yeah, 100%. And let's rip straight into it because there was an exciting game of football that happened this morning. And I just want to get, what were your initial thoughts um, on the lineup going into the match? I know we've said, you know, yes, you, you thought written in the stars. But being honest, looking at the whole holistic approach, did you think United were a hope in this match? And we obviously saw Dan James start, Mason Greenwood starts on the bench, Martial comes back in. I think that's whenever United line up in a front tree and... It was almost, look, I would have liked to see Cavani play, but Martial will get in his performance. We have those players, those attacking players, in terms of the way they play the game, a rash for the Dan James. They're always, I know City's defence has had a very good record, but you always feel confident getting that City. I know their sort of their clean sheet record and their defensive record suggests like they're very good defensively, which they are. But I'm confident if you've got fast attacking players going forward at them, you, you feel confident. Um, in terms of getting that players like Walker, I know he didn't play, but Cancelo, Zinchenko, John Stones, I know he's the flavour of the month at the moment, but think of John Stones over the past three, four years. If you have an inform Anthony Marshall or Rashford against John Stones, you're picking the main United player. So I think if our players showed up, which they did, you're always in with a shout. John, uh, John Stones, you know, I might get criticised for this comment, but he reminds me a lot of Phil Jones in the respect you put a good player next to him, he looks fantastic. Phil Jones has always had the capability. Phil Jones actually isn't a bad footballer. It's his abolishment of an injury record. Because if you remember earlier in his career when you put him next to a Vidic or a Ferdinand, he looks fantastic. The the game against Real Madrid, he played defensive midfield. We all thought, wow, what a player. 
So I just, I think John Stones is in that mould, and I agree with your sentiments there. Um, let's talk about United's approach to the match, because like you said, it was counter-attacking, but it wasn't counter-attacking in the way that United have set up in the past. Normally, it's very compact, very deep. United seem to take an approach of, let's press them first, but then go for that going out back in before we get them on the pace. What did you make of Solskjaer's tactics? Well, I think the first thing, just the word you mentioned there, tactics in terms of so many people criticise Solskjaer for his lack of tactics. And if you clearly, if you're unable to accept and see them this time, you were the one with the problem, not the manager. If you're unable to see this progression, you were the one with the problem, not the manager, not the players, not the club. Because I think it's clear to see. And it, it, yes, we almost played the exact same way in terms of our attacking style, a counter-attack, whether you call it a counter-attack or sort of fast on the break or just that. Because you look at the second goal with Luke Shaw, almost looks like a counter-attack, but there's no transition. City have 11 people behind the ball because Dean Henderson has the ball. So it's, it wasn't a counter-attacking goal, but it was just the intent to go forward with pace. And both goals, you cast your mind back to that big win last season at the Etihad. Similar type of, of performance in going forward, but defensively completely different. I think this one we were, I'd hazard a guess, 30, 40 metres higher up the pitch than that last time. I don't, I don't want to say we parked the bus last season, but we definitely soaked up the pressure. This time, a lot of the, a lot of the criticism with Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire has been, we have to sit back, we can't leave space in behind. They weren't leaving 20 metres of space in behind them at times. And everyone's saying, you can only do that with Eric Bay. I'm not saying Lindelof and Maguire are the answer. We definitely do need to invest in the future in the summer. But um, I just thought that there was a clear sign of progression where you compare that performance and what Solskjaer wanted from a defensive and an attacking point of view, and you compare a year later to the exact same attacking performance, but you can see the defensive side of things, I thought it was much improved. Absolutely. And where I will credit the manager here is to say, we've both agreed, and we as recently as the Chelsea match, we said that the reason for the loss probably is because there's been a change in playing style. He's looking to be on the ball more, which is fine. It's a progress and an evolution of the football team. But you know what? When you've had the success we've had playing that counter-attacking football, why move away from it? You know, I mean, under Sir Alex, I mean, in, in my lifetime, I remember the counter-attacks. I remember Ronaldo and Rooney linking up against Arsenal in the semi-final in the Champions League. Like that, for some reason, that goal sticks out in my mind. So there's no criticism of counter-attacking football for me. Leicester won a freaking league out of nowhere because they were playing counter-attacking football. You play to your strengths at the end of the day. So credit to Oli there. And I think it is a platform for the manager and for this team to say, you know what, when we are versing those top sides, why not? If it means you can set up on the counter and get at them, it's fine. When Sheffield United beat Manchester United 2-1 at home, yeah, sure, it's disgraceful from our side. No one's going to look back in history books and say Sheffield United pucked the bus. So I don't understand that criticism. Uh, let's move into the praise of individual players. Um, let's start with Dean Henderson because we've got David De Gea and congratulations to the Spaniard on the birth of his first baby girl. But he's been given an opportunity now to get a platform and get a run in the team and I think he's taken it with both hands what did you make of his performance and let's talk about his contribution for the Luke Shaw goal well just on the opportunity I think that sometimes it's almost that little bit of luck in terms of a lot of people say oh, I need that space in the team and that's dependent on someone getting suspended or someone dropping out of form or someone getting injured where this one could be completely different and it's the birth of a child which gives because now it's not just last year where Dean uh, De Hague could come back in the country well now he has to quarantine so going to back to Spain it gives Dean Henderson two three weeks maybe to sort of nail down his spot so it's a huge bit of I, would, I don't want to say luck in a bad way but it's a big slice of luck for Dean Henderson 
in terms of the quarantine rules. So, but in terms of his performance, he was great. But I don't want to use, I don't want to, the positives around his performance used as a stick to beat David de Gea with, because a lot of people are saying that you said the Luke Shaw goal, the contribution to that. And I've seen David de Gea, maybe not the same type of throw out to a left back, but I've seen great distribution by David de Gea. But it's Ashley Young miscontrolling the ball, or Aaron Wan-Bissaka controlling and then playing back to Harry Maguire. Or Luke Shaw controlling that ball, but Cancelo doesn't commit, and then the play doesn't eventuate to anything. However, now here the play eventuates in a goal, and we're saying what a great ball by Dean Henderson, which it is. But I've seen David De Gea do the exact same thing, and nothing come of it because of sort of circumstances outside of his control. So I don't want to see this praise of Dean Henderson, which I'm all for. I absolutely love Dean Henderson, but I don't want to see it as a stick to beat David De Gea with. Well, taking the Spaniard out of account here. If we're looking purely at the Englishman's contribution, do you think he's putting his name in the conversation? Do you still want to see some more from him? What, what is he, it? In- his name's in the conversation. We, we know we're going to be discussing this every single week. We know what the situation is, and he's not putting really a foot wrong. So the question is, is De Gea putting enough of a foot wrong? Well, let me put the question to you in a different way. What would Henderson need to do over the next few games for you to say he has to stay in the side when, when De Gea is back? Well, if, if he plays like this, he won't be dropped. I think David, he'll have to have a poor game or I don't know, he might be rested for the Europa League and David De Gea comes in then. And he needs to continue this form for the next three or four games and nail that spot down. And then when David De Gea is eligible again, um, Dean Henderson needs to maintain this form. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't have one slip-up, it opens a door back for De Gea. So in terms of what does he need to do, he needs three or four weeks of faultless performances. Well, he started well with the last two games. Hopefully, he can continue that. Let's move further up the pitch. Um, the fullbacks, I just want to talk about them a little bit more because Luke Shaw, the evolution in his game, particularly with the ball, I have to say, excellent. Now, I, I will criticise Luke Shaw a little bit here because there were some opportunities in that game that I felt come from a direct result of his positioning. He seems to tuck in when the ball's on the right-hand side. We, Wan-Bissaka was fantastic today. He continues his trend against Raheem Sterling where the Englishman can't get a foot or can't breathe against a Wan-Bissaka. But my criticism of Shaw, and I think I'm starting to pick this up, when the ball's on the opposite side of the pitch, he seems to tuck in with Maguire, making it like a three-man defense, and he neglects his winger. And we saw where a lot of those opportunities did seem to come from. In saying that, going forward, Luke Shaw is everything Wan-Bissaka isn't. And I think between the two fullbacks, there's that good complement there. What did you make of Luke Shaw's overall performance? Um, and Wan-Bissaka, I mean, what more can we say? Well, Wan-Bissaka and Sterling, it was just usual. It's just what happens. Uh, has Raheem Sterling scored against us? I don't think he has. Maybe he has. Maybe he got one. Maybe. Not since Wan-Bissaka's been in the team, Wan-Bissaka sure. just, yeah, it returned to old. And look, on the ball, yes, Wan-Bissaka definitely does have his limitations, which he needs to improve on. Whether he improves or United improve with a new sign, I'm not quite sure. But Wan-Bissaka against Sterling, standard. Luke Shaw, yeah, just the development. But not even the development, just the... Not really the return, initiative. Return to form, because I don't think he's found this form um, in previous seasons. Um, the fulfilment of his potential. Like, we've always seen this performance in Luke Shaw, but he's never really de- delivered it. So what, this isn't a surprise, this performance. Think, yes, Luke Shaw's got that in him. When that ball goes to Dean Henderson, when he throws it out to Luke Shaw, you're thinking, Luke Shaw takes a touch here, he can drive the defence. Two years ago, that wasn't happening, though. So well, Luke Shaw has always had this performance in his locker, and um, it's just a pleasure that it's, it's sort of paying rewards now because I'd say he's the best left-back in the country. Name a better left-back, because the, the obvious argument would be, OK, he's top of the league, Zinchenko. He's better than Zinchenko. 
Andy Robertson's been the best in the last two years. Look at the state of Liverpool. You can't put him in that discussion. He's the best left back in the league. And how on earth can we criticise? Which we, I do criticise him on this podcast, but how on earth can we? If he's the be- we've got the best left back in the league. We can't argue about it. We can. I take your point. Um, I just for his for his own game and for his reputation, for him to go down in that discussion of you know the Patricia versus the Dennis Owens of the world. Now I'm not saying he's as good as those two players, but for me, what he's contributing going forward, there's no qualms about it in terms of chances created in the in the in Europe. He's killing it, but he just needs to improve his positional play because one on one, he's actually a very good defender. It's the same criticism I have of Wan Bissaka. Their, their positional play really needs to be tidied up. But I think perhaps that comes with better leadership from the centre-backs. You know, you put a better player next to Harry Maguire, it's a flow-on effect. Um, let's go f- to the further section of the pitch because there's been a bit made of Anthony Martial's form, particularly as of late, but I thought he had a really well-rounded game today. Now, not brilliant, but I thought what he oh, did I, today... Look, it's, I'm sorry, no, but I thought he's almost close to brilliant and I'll be the one you'd almost praise Anthony Martial more than I would. But I'm saying Anthony Martial was brilliant. I thought he was the best player on the football pitch. I, I don't mean like, in terms of like, nothing to the eye where you say, well, that's magnificent. Brilliant in terms of what he brought to the team. I don't think you necessarily win this match without Anthony Martial's contribution. Well, naturally, he, he's the one who attracts the penalty. 30 seconds or whatever it was into the game. Um, and But his all-round game was excellent today. And... He didn't touch the ball a lot. I think he only had 30-odd possessions. But He had 100% pass completion in the first half. He did. And, and I don't know. He might have only had two passes, but I saw that stat. Yeah, he had about 30 possessions, um, give or take. But I thought what he did with the ball was really good. Back to goal, very comfortable, links up well with his teammates. And he is what... We were discussing this a week ago. United's lack of intelligent footballers. Anthony Martial is definitely an intelligent footballer. You can see he's thinking about who's around him and what he's doing, where the defence is. Your thoughts on the Frenchman today? Well, his performance, look, there's no hiding from the fact Martial has been poor this season and definitely below the standards that he has set. However, in regards to this performance, while he was fantastic, I didn't see anything different in this performance than how he's performed recently. The only issue was his passes were sticking, his first touch was... He won the penalty. We're in a happy mood because we won the football match. Nothing changed in his performance. It's the execution, which is obviously a huge part of the performance. If you look at Marcus Rashford, I saw something different. I saw him tracking back. I saw decision-making was good. You saw for the Luke Shaw goal last week. That was Rashford trying to do a step over and go past a player. Where this time he said, no, I laid off to Luke Shaw. I saw something different in Rashford's performance today, which was great. I didn't see anything different in Martial's performance today. It was the same performance. It just it worked. And... Um, Unfortunately, the, the thing that we'll probably get in the 3-2 ones, the thing that will keep him from out of the match is he didn't score a goal and he had a golden opportunity to score it. Um, but Martial, look, we'll get in the 3-2 ones. He was pretty close to man of the match for me, though. And usually when we play against Man City, we say, okay, 3-2 ones, who was our best player? Okay, he was our best player, but probably De Bruyne was probably the best player on the pitch. I thought today Martial was best on the pitch for the 22 players out there. Hey, valid, mate. No criticisms from me. Um, that might actually be a good transition into the 3-2-1s, Tom. So, who was your man of the match? In saying that, praising Anthony Martial and saying he's the best player on the pitch, I'd probably be giving three points to Luke Shaw for the fact that he was just as good and had the goal to back it up. Uh, I thought, I-, I can't criticise Luke Shaw's performance at all. On top of that, the clean sheet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you there. I think Luke Shaw for the three points is the right call. And on top of that, like we say, United, clean sheet, 
going forward, the improvement in his game, phenomenal. Um, two points, I think it's the Frenchman. Um, no arguments from you? Uh, standards. Uh, as I said, he's very unlucky not to get three points if he scores that goal. And that, that, what do you think of that chance? Because it sort of fortuitously broke to him. Then I thought, it was almost too easy. He thought, well, I've got to go far post. So he, in his mind, he's thinking, well, Edison knows that as well. So Edison's going to go far post. So I'll try and sneak in the near post. And just because you're not full of confidence, exactly. it's doing quite well. Yeah, I think Martial last season buries that, um, whereas he's just overthinking everything now because his confidence is shot. It was too easy, the, the chance, which is, sounds stupid professional footballer, but I think it was. So much of the game is mental. Um, I'm reading one Mata's book at the moment, and the amount of times he talks about everything that goes on in his mind. I don't want to ruin the book for anyone, yourself included. Um, but a lot of the book talks about mentality, and it just shows those nuances in between your great performance and a horrible performance. It's all in your head. Um, with that said, one point. Oh, God, it's a hard one. I'd look, Dean Henderson, probably in it with a shout, I assume, with a lot of people. But in saying that, did he have much to do? He, he was good. He's very good. But in terms of handing out points, I'm not quite sure. So someone we haven't mentioned, I thought Dan James, again, my concern, which I called for Dan James to start this game over Mason Greenwood, but my concern, especially in terms of the way Manchester City play, I was worried in terms of the way Dan James presses, very much in the Bruno mould, where he just sprints at someone and leaves space in behind him. And I was thinking, I'm not quite sure I like that against City, but we'll see how it goes. But I thought defensively, it was Dan James' best performance. He, he, he didn't really play right winger, he played almost an old-fashioned right midfield role in front of Wan-Bissaka. And, yeah, OK, attacking, I can't even remember something Dan James did. Did he even touch the ball? Oh, no. <laughs> However, I would say defensively, I thought, because I was watching it, the City obviously had a lot of the ball, and you watch our players when um, City had the ball. And Dan James defensively, I thought it was one of his better performances. So, again, is that enough for a point? I'm not quite sure. I thought wan Bissaka again. Look, look wan Bissaka, the two defenders, Lindelof and Maguire, again, do you think didn't have much to do but clean sheet away at Manchester City they've obviously done something Lindelof right. was a hair away from conceding a goal though if Sterling was more alert to that opportunity that he asked oh, look, look, look City created a lot of chances on another day City score one or two which they're always going to do if City were playing Bayern Munich they're going to create one or two chances where they should score Yeah, um, they're the best team in the country yeah, that, that, that's going to happen I'm not going to criti- and I know you're not criticising I'm not going to criticise the players for that but it's a hard one for that point because the first two were so easy we haven't even discussed Fred and McTominay again they weren't fantastic but they've just they've off the ball I just a little bit to, just for me just for what both of them did on the ball I couldn't give points out oh no no they, but they work great however they're, fantastic that's what I mean you, you just want I don't think we can say oh, okay that's great beat Manchester City okay forget the main United Man City rivalry no. think of the quality of Manchester City and the quality which almost the lack of quality Manchester United have it's an unbelievable performance to go there and beat them 2-0. Yeah, like yeah, every player needs sort of highlighting. Um, one point, was, I don't know, Wan-Bissaka's probably in with a shout. I, I think Wan-Bissaka's the right call, but look, um, yeah, just no. Dan James, just not enough on the ball for me. Um, I think Wan-Bissaka... So through no fault of his own. No, of course not. But I just think if you're looking at both sides of the ball or both sides of the game, I thought Wan-Bissaka really good and contributes to that final result. Raheem Sterling's got to negotiate his contract just to have the week off against United. Honestly, he must have nightmares. Like he, he that blocked, would ruin your confidence. It really would. He blocked. I don't know if it's some sort of trick photography or whatever, photoshopping skills or whatever. That um. No, you can mute words on Twitter. That um, he has blocked him on not not blocked one Bissaka, but blocked people mentioning one Bissaka yeah. on his Instagram. Oh, that was kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know if that's real or not, but I hope it is. And even if it's not, we'll just run with it for this podcast because it's humorous. Um, Tom, I'll give it to you for the comments. 
Yeah, so it's in three, two, one. So it's on Twitter, and Matt on Twitter goes Luke Shaw for three, Lindelof for two. Oh, sorry, Lindelof and Martial two and one. Pick your choice, um, who you want. Lindelof, again, Lindelof and Maguire. Again, yeah, good. Very solid. Jamie on Twitter also goes three for Shaw, two for Maguire, and one for Anthony Martial. And we'll just get the Facebook comments up. We've got here, if I can find them. There's a lot of Facebook comments. Always get a lot after a win, which is always good. We'll go, Emma has gone Shaw, James, and Bruno. We haven't even mentioned Bruno. What do you think of Bruno? Um, Good. Scored the penalty, which he always is guaranteed to do. Um, didn't have much to do in this match, given we weren't on the ball. No criticisms there. I just, I don't feel like he was a heavy influence in the football game. We just mentioned penalty and Bruno there, and I don't know if George is keeping tabs on one of this or not, and I'm not sure who, who said this. My money is on you, because I can't imagine myself saying this. But he said, George goes, time for the pubcast to give away Zebra jersey with Fernandez 18 on the back, as promised after the win against Brighton if Bruno scores 10 penalties. I don't recall saying that. Yeah, so we'll have to go back and listen yeah, to the yeah. podcast. I think George is making up stories. Yeah, he could be. He might just want to freeze every jersey. But, um, yeah, we'll have to go back and listen to that. But he has gone three for sure, two for Marshall and one for Henderson. Elliot has gone three for sure, two for Marshall, one for James. Rob has gone Luke Shaw for three. Maybe gets an England call up now. Two for Bruno, so I was obviously impressed with Bruno. And one really hard to give, but I'll probably give it to Maguire. And that's big for Rob. He's Maguire's biggest fan. But we've also got Adam from the Supporters Club. Goes three for sure, two for Martial, and one. Just take your pick. Josh has gone three for sure. I think easily man of the match, judging by these comments. Two for Bruno, and one for Scott or Harry. Vin has gone Luke Shaw for three, two for Bruno, one for Henderson, and Dylan from the Supporters Club goes Shaw, Bruno, and Martial. So maybe Bruno maybe gets a little bit more credit than we've given him. Look, Bruno wasn't bad. I just thought. And again, no criticism of him. I just think the way the game played out was he didn't really get to get on the ball too much and do what Bruno does. It wasn't one for him to look to create a heap of opportunities. United went to break and, look, his work rate was good. He pressed from the front like he always does. And, look, this was a team performance. In these sorts of games, when you are clearly inferior to the opposition, you don't win the game unless everyone is having at least a 7 out of 10. So no criticisms of Bruno. I just thought that there were better players on the pitch. Um, let's look ahead, Tom, because we've got the Europa League, and it's against AC Milan. And don't, don't tell people this is Europa League. Just say it's United v Milan. It sounds like it's a Champions League game. Oh, all right, yeah, I love it. Should we? You know what? Maybe just for this podcast, you should put the Champions League music at the front. Then um, it'll confuse everyone. Don't do that. But in, in all seriousness, it is a big game for United because this this match on on paper does look like a Champions League match. It's got some sentiment to it. You've got. Um, um, I was about to call. I was about to call him Diallo. Um, you've got Diogo Delo, um, who's eligible to play against his parent club. You've got the return of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. There are some injury doubts about him, but I hope he plays. Um, it has the potential to be a banana skin for United. AC Milan sitting second um, in Syria. Well, that's it. They're above Juventus. I just looked at the table then, and you think pretend we were in a league with Juventus. Would you expect Man United to be above them? Probably not. And if I think they'd be competitive. Oh, yeah, but if, you, if Juventus are in the Premier League, would you say they'll finish above Juventus? Would you say Man United will finish above Juventus? Probably not. So the Milan are above Juventus, so they've obviously got something about them. So, look, it is a Europa League tie, but I think it'll get more attention than any Champions League tie this week. Yeah, massive football game. And because of that, again, it's this constant debate because United are playing so many football games. It's coming thick and fast. 
What does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do? Does he go for a strong lineup? Does he have in the back of his mind, look, it's a trophy, it secures Champions League, or considering our league position, which, look, as it currently stands, I think we're seven points clear of fourth place Chelsea. Albeit, they do have a game in hand, but what, what, how would you approach this match? Yeah, but look, there's no correct answer because I would be saying rotate. However, I'm also saying while we are sitting pretty nicely in second spot, it is we are so close to fifth. But we lose two games at fifth, win two games, and the whole outlook of the season looks completely different. So I then look at it and say, well, you can't rotate because it's a big, it's a viable avenue into the Champions League through the Europa League. So I think he goes for it, and I think I can't really criticise him. I'd like maybe it would be one of those ones, one or two rotations, maybe. Well, I know Shaw's been classed as the best left back in the league. Maybe Teller's in for Shaw. Bay in for one of the centre backs. You'd assume we Lindelof, even though last week and this week I'm saying Lindelof over Bay. I think maybe a change there. Matic comes in for one of them, sort of thing. So I think the, the interesting thing is now, usually a team has a start at 11, and then there's this big drop off. Where now there might be a drop off in our start at 11 to the bench, but some people would argue that the bench is stronger than the start in 11. So it's a hard one. Like Van der Beek comes in for Scott McTominay. Some would say that weakens it. Some would say that strengthens, sort of strengthens the team. So, yeah, look, rotate, but it has it has to be full strength. It, it can't be a kid's team. It has to be yeah. going out to win the game because in two weeks we might be out of a top four race. No, I'd agree with that. And I think it's a game to play those players who still lack a bit of form. So I'd be, for me, I'd be starting Anthony Martial. Um Ideally up front, I, I can understand the argument if you want to say you bring in an Edison Cavani, but I think given it's a two-leg game and under no circumstances, and look, everything's possible, I don't expect United to get their asses handed to them. I think there will still be an opportunity in the second leg that if you can play an Anthony Martial up front, give him an opportunity after today's performance yeah, to... I think first leg's in Old Trafford, I think. Usually it's um, all our Europa League fixtures lately have been sort of... We've had the home leg second or yeah. in recent years. But this one, I'm pretty sure the first leg is at Old Trafford, so it shows their interesting dynamic into it. It does. I think this is one I, I personally wouldn't play Rashford. Um, I think he will, though, um, which, again, I understand. I'd be one for... I'd be... You know what? I'd be happy with Dan James playing again. What he does do is the Welshman really gives balance to the right-hand side. Now, you can debate his quality all you like, and maybe there's not even a debate to be had, but United look a better side when he plays, and it's because he holds his width on the pitch. So I wouldn't be against Dan James coming in, because maybe that will leave opportunities for Mason Greenwood to play in the league. In saying that, we haven't spoken about this. Marcus Rashford came off, so we don't know the lengths of his injury or his status as it currently stands. Well, Marcus Rush's fitness is interesting now because, and who knows, look, we all know the strength, and not, not a criticism, but the strength of his PR team. And lately he's come in for a little bit of criticism, and ultimately there's come out the news that he'll need a shoulder operation. And I'm not saying to put that out as an excuse for his poor form. Well, not poor form, but sort of the reason. Indifferent form? Yeah. And it's interesting, like, is he actually injured? I'm not quite sure. He, he's obviously carrying something he, because he's been playing for so long. I'm sure he's got niggles, whether it's a, whether he requires an operation or, or not, I'm not quite sure. But um, it's one of those ones, yes, yeah, so I'll easily drop Marcus Rashford and play Marshall and left Cavani through the middle or Greenwood through the middle. But then you're looking at, who are we kidding? Rashford, Bruno and Maguire are going to play. And then I've sat here and said, well, we need to go strong, so how can I argue with Oli if he does that? 
Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one, but the, the tough gig of being a manager, if he goes for a full-strength side and we lose this match, then you're looking at a case of criticism because it's like, okay, then we're going back into the league. You, we now have to play a strong side in the second leg, and you could argue he played a pretty strong team in the second leg against Real Sociedad at 4-0. So yeah, Ollie well, will do a lot what of does. A lot of people criticise that was way too strong. I thought it was, yeah. given the... Well, we, we put ourselves in a good position, but nonetheless, how much are we going to beat AC Milan by? It's a hard one. I remember last time they came to Old Trafford, we beat them 4-0. Um, David Beckham was there. Darren Fletcher scored a double. Um, Park ran the show from memory. So, um, look, I'm not going to say 4-0, but, look, I think they I don't know how they play, but I assume they probably do lack something when Ibrahimovic doesn't play. So I'm pretty confident. I, I want, mate, I want Zlatan to play, and I want to see Eric Bailly just give him a little bit of a kick. I don't want to see Zlatan play because I think he's the type of player who will turn up. If Zlatan does play... For me, this is why you have to play Eric Bailly. Like, this is what we're talking about. And coming back to your point, United's 11 hasn't improved this season, but our depth has. So I think that's why you get in that debate. And where Bailly does have it over Lindelof... Now, I agree that Lindelof should be first choice after what we saw last week, but I think this is the sort of game... This last time would be licking his lips at getting on to Victor Lindelof. Yeah, no, well, it's definitely that international thing as well. I'm sure they would sort of played together in Sweden in terms of the international camp so and one of those ones where Lindelof might be confident against Ibrahimovic something that came up in training but I'm sure Ibrahimovic would be very confident against Lindelof so um, it's an interesting dynamic but obviously Zlatan and Bay have played together for years as well so um, look I know you're saying you hope, you hope he plays and obviously we all still love Zlatan Ibrahimovic but I hope he's injured for two weeks Can we give a bit of credit to Eric Bay because his tweet I don't know if you've seen this. Um, <laughs> Harry Maguire's put out, you know, great performance. Yeah. <laughs> and Eric Bayes, <laughs> cheers, Captain, you have a huge head. <laughs> What's uh, going so, on so, I don't know. Like, look, I laughed at it like everyone else, but you don't know, is this a lost-in-translation thing or is this a dig at Harry Maguire? <laughs> I don't Maguire? think it's a lost-in-translation thing. Or, or is it, is it a joke? Right? But <laughs> it was a weird oh, one because yeah. he's very disappointed because he hasn't played. I'm obviously talking tongue-in-cheek, but Bay hasn't played, so he said... I'm going to give one to Maguire here, mm. or is it a running joke? But um, yeah, no, it's good to see because, look, uh, of the troubles we've had in recent years under Moyes, Van Hal and Jose Mourinho, there's always been a sense that some of the players aren't quite happy. And as bad as the form has got at times under Solskjaer, there's no doubt in that there is a good team spirit, which mm. ultimately will get teams through through a tough period, which we haven't been able to get through uh, through like Jose Mourinho with Solskjaer. We get that hit that sort of rock bottom. But the team has something about them to bounce back and that comes down to the team spirit and I think that's installed by Solskjaer. Yeah, and you know what? At the end of the season, we can do a full review and that is one thing that the manager deserves credit for. You can have all the tactics in the world. If those players don't want to play for you, you're not getting a single thing out of them. Jose Mourinho's CV is much more impressive than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's, but if you got the players on side, mate, you can just tell them, give it to your best player. At least they're playing for you. So credit where it's true. Final thoughts on Eric Bay's comments? Look, mate, we're at the pub. I just want to have some fun now. Well, you probably had a few drinks. Was it, Actually, was Eric Bay on the bench? Or was he watching at home? I don't even know. I don't know. He might have been having a few drinks on the bench, so it might have been one of those drunken tweets. Wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, Eric Bay, thank you for the laugh. Manchester United, thank you for the positive start to the week. And to our listeners, thank you for listening and tuning in. Again, as you know, we always have to give the plug. Do give us five stars because it means more people can join us in the pub, more people know about the podcast, and we're pretty interactive. We're not snobs. You know, you tweet us, you inbox us, we, we reply, we're good people, so return the love. All right, Tom, pleasure, mate. I guess we'll chat again on it's Friday, Friday morning. We'll tell the listeners what we're doing on Saturday. 
if I must. Um, so Manchester United supporters group of uh, New South Wales will be versing, well, the Sydney supporters, I should say, um, will be versing the Sunderland. Are they Sydney supporters, New South Wales supporters? Sydney, Sunderland. Sunderland, Sydney. Sunderland, okay. That's a tongue-tie, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the, the Sydney Sunderland supporters will be versing the Manchester United supporters of Sydney. I hope I've gotten that right. Emma, please don't be upset with me. Um, raising money for a good cause, food banks of New South Wales. Do I have that right? Um, so just continuing that initiative of Marcus Rashford of trying to put food on hungry people's plates and look anything for a good cause. But we'll be looking to continue our undefeated streak. Tom, will you? How many goals will you be scoring this Saturday? Well, I'm making sure I'm on set piece duty. So any penalties, and I'll uh, maybe try and slip the ref maybe twenty or fifty bucks to give me a free kick, maybe just a little left of centre. Um, so I scored a free kick in the last game, so I fancy my chances again. Look, going on the last game, the goalkeeper questionable. Not quite Dean Henderson. I thought it was placed nicely. It was hard done by the keeper. I think he tried his best, but um, when the free kicks curled like that into the corner, what can you do? With arrogance like that, I'm surprised you don't play for Manchester United yourself. And uh, we'll leave the podcast there. So that game will be at Five Sports Karimba, um, 12 p.m. kickoff. So anyone who's free to join um, or wants to just come support. It is a good initiative. Um, so, yeah, just come down, watch some football. you got nothing better to do on a 31-degree day in, um, in Sydney, I'm sure. And until then, Tom, I'll chat to you on Friday. See you then.